Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Help Desk for Wednesday, the 25th of November. My name is Peter Wells. And I'm Tess Bennett. And Tess, you've got a story about Telstra breaking up their startup accelerator. Yeah, we do. So Telstra will no longer be welcoming founders into its startup accelerator, MuraD, after the telco reviewed how it's going to engage with the sector. So MuraD was started in 2013, and since then, 140 startups across 17 different cohorts have graduated from the accelerator. But the telco says that things have changed and, quote, there are now many startup accelerators from venture capitalists, global accelerators, university and government partnerships to help early stage companies develop their initial product. So instead of investing in startups directly, Telstra is going to use MuraD to provide smaller startups with access to its technologies and work selectively with more mature startups on partnerships with Telstra, either as a supplier or a go-to-market partner. So essentially that means there's no new seed funding uh, coming from Telstra through its MuraD Accelerator. Bit of a shame, I guess, for the startup community there, Tess. Uh, although I've not really seen anything come out of MuraD that was, you know, groundbreaking. I haven't either. Oh, I can't from memory pull a, a high-profile successful MuraD graduate. It, it sort of does raise the question as well about how corporates want to engage with the startup sector. So some have started their own venture capital funds or they've got innovation labs, or, you know, like I think Telstra is flagging here, they prefer to be a customer and actually wait till the startup gets bigger, develops a product they actually want want to use, and then, you know, gives them revenue rather than taking a, a piece of equity in its early stages. And we did see a bit of news for startups in the Victorian budget and also the, the New South Wales state budget. So it's not all doom and gloom for startups out there. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. And I guess Telstra is more worried about its shareholders and doing the right thing by them at the moment. Maybe we'll see them as part of their restructure. We'll, that They'll throw off another lab somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> Moving on. Startup Co. Exactly, Startup Co. <laughs> Oh, the names they come up with over there. Amazing. Anyway, uh, moving on, COVID-safe data was incidentally collected by intelligence agencies in the first six months of the COVID-safe app. According to a story over at IT News, uh, the collection happened in the course of lawful collection of other data allowed under the Privacy Act. So I really want to explain before I go any further that this was not a leak or anything. This was not the government overstepping its mark. We tend to look negatively on the Australian government for good reason sometimes when they, they roll out IT projects and, and I've been critical of COVID safe from the get-go. Uh, but this is not one of those moments where you need to kind of get the tinfoil hat on. What happened here was there were phones that were being surveilled because of a, an, a warrant that was already available. And in the process of collecting other data from that device, they, from what I can tell, they, they've kind of scooped up some of the COVID safe data that was was being pumped out of the device at the same time. That does not mean that the the government is 
was lying to us when they said that they wouldn't use the COVID safe data information for anything but contact tracing. Uh, they've said that they're going to delete the data as soon as possible, but it is still worthwhile pointing out that this this was flagged by the the watchdog uh, organisation for for the government that is looking over how COVID safe is being used, and I think it's it, you know this is this is the watchdog doing its job, and so for me, I'm not kind of terrified by by this announcement. Also, I haven't had the COVID safe app installed for about four months. Yeah, good. always good to know that those watchdogs are doing their jobs. Now to the case for getting your parents off Facebook. Uh, New York Times opinion writer Charlie Wazell uh, asked two baby boomers who he's never met before for their passwords to their Facebook accounts so he could see what their news feeds looked like around the US election. And he found, quote, an information hellscape. He writes in this opinion piece today, touching family moments are inter burst with Bible quotes that look like Hallmark cards, hyperpartisan fear-mongering and conspiratorial misinformation, which is just generally making Facebook a pretty unpleasant place for, for anyone to be. Mm, I've never actually poked in at someone else's Facebook to see what they, what they see compared to what I see. All I see is, well, nothing really, because I, I don't really go there anymore, except to post that Facebook is not a good service, <laughs> which I, I assume isn't, the algorithm is not promoting my, my posts on Facebook. But yeah, th- this is not surprising to me. It's also worthwhile that Cam Wilson over at Gizmodo has pointed out that Facebook is still taking ad money from anti-vax groups in Australia, despite saying it would ban anti-vax ads. So the, the, so the distinction there is the ads that he has collected and seen are specifically not mentioning anti-vax in the ads, but they're promoting anti-vax events, anti-vax groups. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the weakest possible way to enforce Facebook's ban on anti-vax material. So just more content to be mindful of when you are scrolling through Facebook feed. Are you going to ask your parents for their password so you can have a look and see what they're seeing on Facebook? They're not on it. Uh, oh. They've held out. Amazing, so. amazing. Good for you, Bennett's. <laughs> uh, and moving on to the other social network that could, Twitter is relaunching account verification in 2021 and it's asking for feedback on the policy. For the last few months, Twitter has not been giving out the blue tick to users as it put the verification system on hold. The system will relaunch in 2021 with an emphasis on companies, community groups and activists, not just the Twitter famous, Um, which is ridiculous to say because I do have a blue tick, although I don't deserve one. Uh, Twitter says an account must be notable and active and the badge won't be awarded to anyone whose account has incomplete profiles, and you also must not have broken any Twitter rules in the past six months. And again, that would disqualify me because every now and again I I get flagged from something like a DMCA takedown for like a tweet from 2009 or something like that. And I'm I'm just like, why am I in Twitter jail? Oh, right. Some link I I, I did 12 years ago uh, is getting me flagged. Uh, So, yeah, interesting. Anyway, Twitter is asking for feedback on the system, like I said. So if you do have feedback, feel free to send it over to the good people at Twitter. Do you have any feedback for the good folk at Twitter there, Tess? Oh, I just don't care enough. Like <laughs> uh, under this criteria, um, I would not meet the active criteria on Twitter. You know, to qualify as verified, I don't have a blue tick, and I like I just don't really care. 
And I actually think not having the extra level of attention is like, it, it's fine for me on Twitter. Mm. So I'm happy. I'm, you know, maybe I'm just have convinced myself of this because I'm deprived of having a blue tick. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, uh, like I, the only th- time I remember I have one is when my friends make fun of me for having one, but it, it, it it's really pointless. Like, I, I would much rather them... Here's my feedback to you, Twitter. I would much rather you just verify all accounts in the sense of I have to sign up with a, a mobile phone. You know, back in the day, you needed a mobile phone to join Twitter. Um, bring that back. Make make all accounts tied to an actual mobile phone. People will still be able to get around it. Bots will still be able to exist. But it will make it so much harder for bots to exist and, and for people to be kind of crazy when their accounts are linked to something mostly permanent, like a mobile phone number. And finally, we've just got a brief follow-up from yesterday's Uber story. Yeah, uh, so the New South Wales government has launched a Safe Work Task Force on uh, food delivery to see if there are any gaping holes that need to be plugged to make sure that that food delivery is, is safer for all the people involved in it. And if you want a really great breakdown of, of the last couple of days and what has happened, or the last couple of months and what has happened, I would recommend uh, the ABC's The Signal daily podcast. It's fantastic, and today they're focused on uh, Uber drivers and, and Uber Eats and all of that kind of stuff. And that is all we've got time for today. And thank you, Tess Bennett, for joining me. Thanks for having me, Peter. And we'll speak to you guys tomorrow. Have a great one. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.